Now Kerr, looking for the long, oh that's brilliant! And Sam Kerr has surely clinched the title now. World-class players do world-class things. Welcome back to another episode of the Fran Kirby Fight Club, your one-stop listen to all things Fran Kirby and, of course, Chelsea FCW women. I did say that backwards this time, but um, you'll have to forgive me, Andre. I'm a little bit tired today. I've been out all day and, of course, you have had quite the weekend. Um, so maybe both of us are going to be a bit a bit suspect today, but fortunately we have a win to talk about. Um, before we go into that, yes, Andre, how are you? How was the NWSL? I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, if y'all are listening, you probably and your your frequent listeners, you probably realize that my voice does not normally sound like this. <laughs> um, but I just a lot of talking. It was it was great. It was a great time. Uh, it was a great event. I was really pleased to see all the stuff they put on. Um, you know, outside before the game, building up to the game. Thought it was a really really good way to like build an, an, a good atmosphere. So I was really really happy. But the result of all that was. I did a lot of talking at a very elevated volume that my voice does not normally do or cope with, <laughs> and it is struggling. So I'm hanging on by a thread, but I was really happy about this game and getting a win. Speaking of the win, um, it was a 3-1 victory of Aston Villa. A little bit of an interesting game. We'll talk more about the sort of selections and what happened with specific goals, but it was three goals. Um, two scored by Lauren James, one in the 22nd minute and then one in the second half. And then Sam Kerr came on late to score in the 63rd minute. Villa did get one back by who else? Rachel Daly, who's been doing absolutely amazing. And then, as Andrea will have mentioned, um, right from the NWSL. Um, but in the end, we managed to really get a good, strong grip on the game and push through. Um, before we actually go into the specifics, I kind of want to talk about the selection because... This wasn't our only game of the week. We actually played midweek. We played in the Champions League against Valatnia, um, a team that we keep saying we don't know a lot about, but there were four changes from that victory. So anne Katrin Berger returned in the starting lineup. Um, Millie Bright back with Kadishi Buchanan in the central defence. And then we saw Erin Cuthbert and Sophie Ingle in the holding midfield duo. And as I mentioned, James, who scored twice in a sort of attacking trio behind Kerr. Uh, Fran Kirby was missing. Um, so Paul Green, in his press conference on Friday, talked about some of the absences. Fran Kirby, who's just returned from illness, and you would have seen she's posted some stuff online. She's back in training, but um, she's still kind of being monitored a little bit closely, so we didn't see her today. Uh, Yelena Kankovic was another who's continuing to return from a long-term injury, and then, of course, um, Melanie Lupoltz, who is on maternity leave. So definitely a lot of personnel change, rightly so. We, we've expected that in terms of having played... I think almost eight to nine games so far in a very short amount of time. But we did see a familiar formation, so the 4-3-1, Bright and back in that sort of back three with Buchanan. And as you were mentioning off air, Captain Madeleine Eriksson, who was in a bit of a different role. Yeah, we had Magda at basically um, left back, which, you know, I find it interesting, right? Like the past, I, I would say last year, we had a situation where we didn't have enough center backs. And this year, it's almost like we have too many. 
(laughs) That's been a little awkward to try to fit them in because we know Magda's best position is center back. We know she can play left back. She played left back or plays left back sometimes more, more frequently now um, for Sweden on the, on the international stage than, than, um, than for Chelsea, but she's starting to do it a lot more for Chelsea now. And I've got like mixed feelings about it. I, I know it is difficult to, you know, get everybody on the pitch. I think it would be sad if Magda, Kadisha Buchanan, or Millie Bright had to sit on the bench. I don't think that'd be fair to either one of them. Um, They're too good for that. So trying to get them in, I understand. But I think the switch really from a back three to a back four is what's caused it. And, you know, you do have versatility in these areas, but I I also think you restrict, it's almost like I'm going to I'm going to, because we were just talking about the NWSL, I'm going to make a comparison that I usually don't (laughs) come across the pond. It's a similar thing, a little bit, you know, this is a more extreme version, but a little bit of what happens with Crystal Dunn, especially if you are, you know, if you're listening to this and you typically are used to the USM's national team uh, watching them as opposed to Crystal Dunn, like with a club, um, you'll notice that she plays left back a lot, but that's like her third or fourth best position. And so you you miss a lot of things that she does elsewhere on the pitch, other responsibilities, other things that she's very good at doing. And I think it's a similar situation with Magda Erickson. Um, you do have situations where she's not able to progress the ball as much as she usually does, like on the dribble or with passing. You restrict the field a little bit for her. And it is a little frustrating, I, I think, at times to see. I do like it sometimes when I see her up high, you know, you know, getting getting up high like a like a typical like modern fullback, and she's you know putting in balls or, or, or out there to try to like get to the byline or something. I'm like, what is Magda doing up there? But then my brain is like, <laughs> oh yeah, we've got her left back. But yeah, I, it's it's an interesting one, and I don't know how I feel about it just yet. It was a bit of an interesting one, and, and you know we're not quite sure how much Paul Green has over in terms of team selection. I can say that I did see a couple of tweets. Nam Hayes was in the ground this time, not watching from home. She was watching from the stadium, so kind of interesting to see what kind of clarity she has on this new look Chelsea, or possibly yeah. new look Chelsea. Um, but let's kind of now move a bit forward in the field, looking at our midfield and our attack. And Penilla Hard has been back, and ever since she's been back alongside Sam Kerr, the two have just been in outstanding form. And I had to keep mentioning Gura Wrighton because it does seem like every time this woman has a ball at her feet, she manages to find another player to put it in the back of the net. And that's exactly how we broke the deadlock. Um, So as I mentioned, Lauren James, who opened the scoring in the 22nd minute, it was just beautifully sort of floated, slow pass that trickled across the the box. And no one in, you know, in Aston Villa colours seemed to react quickly enough from it. Interestingly enough, Sophie Ingle was the person who played the pass out and she played a wonderful um, challenge to get the ball out to Wrighton. But the ball that was played across, nobody reacted. Lauren James was quick to get on the ball. One touch, bang, dead, you're gone. No one reacts quickly enough. She's just so fast and quick. And similarly, in, in the second goal that she scores later after Aston Villa have equalised, it's, it's, this, it's this sort of the same scenario coming up, which is we break and... And her speed and technicality on the ball is too much for the defenders who can only take her down by by fouling. So those were her contributions. But before even any of the scoring happened, we had a, a bit of a sort of up and down first 15 minutes. Um, Aston Villa had a few chances. Alicia Lehman was getting on the ball quite a lot. Wrighton was on the ball quite a lot and actually missed a chance. Um, what do you make of, of, of all that before we started scoring in the 22nd minute? Yeah, I think, you know, I was worried. I became more and more worried about this game the more that Aston Villa had 
bad performances or or not i guess i wouldn't say bad performances maybe but not the results that you would have expected when they went out and beat manchester city 4-3 um they debuted this very intense press that was very very good led by rachel daly and they were just worried about that and of course then she got injured and was out um but of course she's she makes it in the lineup for chelsea which you would expect you know um that's a game where you may think maybe you can shock another one of the top clubs so I completely get that. And when I saw her in the lineup, I was like, yep, as expected. Um, and they played very well. You know, they do have a very intense press. I think, you know, watching a, a lot of NWSL crossover in this episode, you know, having watching. <laughs> not intentional. You know, it's just, <laughs> not intentional you know. at all. Um, but yeah, having watched Rachel Daly with Houston Dash over here in, in America, it was, you know, that's she's doing a lot of the same things. Just so much energy, so aggressive, so direct, puts center backs in the back lines under a lot of pressure and sees if you can cope with it. And sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. You know, thankfully we were able to and kept the ball out of the net, uh, of course, until the equalizer. But I think we did a good job um, overall dealing with it. Sometimes I, I want a little bit more control from those areas. But other times, I mean, listen, teams are – saw the Chelsea men's team. Sometimes you're going to get pressed high really hard and it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to find another route around it. And the Chelsea men weren't able to do that. Um, but Chelsea women's team was able to do well um, and kind of cope with it without really conceding. So I thought that was really, really good, uh, a sign for the team. And you would hope that, you know, given the back line, given the players we've already talked about, you know, add Eve Parise in there as well. Um, you have Aaron Cuthbert dropping deep to try to help out with uh, progressing the ball as well. Like we have the tools to be able to cope with that. And so I was glad that we did. It's interesting you say that about the the midfield and we mentioned a couple of defenders. I kind of like to talk about the the second goal, Lauren James' second goal. Um, go all the way back and you see the move is started actually in defence by Felicia Buchanan. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we talked all season, we've talked a couple of seasons about how well Millie Bright does that and how she, you know she's probably the standout player to that. But we now have a defence where that's you know she's not the standout player anymore. There, there are several other players more than capable, more than comfortable doing that. And it it was a perfect example of, of how that defense facilitates attack. And, and from her interception and her pass out straight away, the midfield gets going. Um, and in the transitional sense, I felt like we've been much better equipped to, to have those counters this season, especially if we're talking about champions league and, and, and other ambitions than we have last season. Yeah. I absolutely love that goal for a number of reasons. Like you said, it does start from Khadija Buchanan with that pass and I want to talk about that pass a little bit because I think what ended up happening was I believe it was the Aaron Cuthbert, right, uh, in the center of the pitch. I think what you notice with that pass is that she didn't pass it to Aaron's feet. She passed it basically ahead of her into the space ahead of her where she mm-hmm. wanted her to run, which allowed Aaron to be able to turn and catch up to the ball without having to take a touch. And I think that is so important because if you have to take a touch and then turn, that's just time. And sometimes a player can recover. Um, there was a lot of space there, so maybe she still gets to do the exact same thing. But everything happened so quickly because of the placement of the pass. And I thought it was a very clever pass, a very good pass to be able to do, see the space and get your midfielder, <clears throat> excuse me, get your midfielder turned uh, and running at the back line and with a lot of options. And then I also so, so, so loved, loved Lauren James's touch because mm. she, she, if you watch her off the ball, 
she ran so hard because she was like, I have an opportunity. I need to get to this spot. And she busted her tail to get there. It was so, so fun to watch because you could see it coming. I'm like, if she can just get there, she's going to have a shot. She just gets there. And she's so she's so clever with her footwork that she dragged the ball and beat a defender mm-hmm. and set herself up for a first-time shot with the same touch. And it was just so instinctual and great because if you watch that, you see you see a defender. It looks like a defender this is, this might be able to touch say. the ball. Yeah. It's, and it's she funny. just drags it by her. It's so great. It's funny because you can clearly see that that defender has absolutely no intention to get the ball. It's like, I, I'm, I'm just going to take you down. It's there. I, I can't, I didn't remember who it was, but she was kind of like, even in the, like in the proposing position, she had one knee down and she was just like, <laughs> I got to I got to take her out. But it, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I said before. Lauren James is, is quickly becoming someone that is so hard to, to mark and defend, especially when she's in a, in a, and when Chelsea are playing the possession in on counterattacks, so you just have to think I might be able to take her out. But as you say, she was quick enough to to get around that. And when you watch it in slow motion, it just feels comical, extremely comical. But you watch it live, and you realize that is just how good she is. Yeah, it's absolutely. Oh, I'm 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 sorry. I was watching the highlight again because I messed up. I believe it was Pernilla Harder who was in in midfield oh, and was able to do that turn. Not Aaron Cuthbert. So my my apologies on that one. But yeah, I, it was that was extremely incredible. Like just I love that entire move. I thought it was so good. Um, and yeah, you're you're 100 right. Like being able to being able to take that touch and anticipate that, especially like avoid. Avoiding contact is going to be big for her throughout like the course of her career just because of the way she holds on to the ball and how quick her feet are. Some t- some players are just going to dive at her to make her hesitant. And I just thought she read that so well after really busting to get to that spot for half the pitch. Like she was in a full-on sprint for half the pitch and she was very, very intent on getting there in time and just did. So yeah, I thought that was an excellent goal. And then she capped it off with an assist. So two goals and an assist. I mean, it's I mean that we talked about Lauren James before the season and how if she's it sounded like they were very pleased with her. They know what they have with her. They know what they want to do with her. And if they can get her implemented into the team, integrated into the team, then you're going to see like, you know, the, the the cliche like a new sighting. But for real, for real, because this is this is a very unique talent and we're seeing it just start to blossom on like a stage like this. It's been it's been great. And I'm really glad that people are appreciating and recognizing her now because when she first joined Chelsea from Manchester United and she was injured, she came on against Man City in the Conti Cup for conceding goals, mistakes. Everyone, you know, everyone was criticizing and it was so easy to do that. But you and I and people who watch Chelsea women's teams play know that Emma Hayes has a role for every single player. Emma Hayes is incredibly skilled at taking players and developing them and maturing them, producing them. We knew that she would one day be this good. No one else, well, maybe no one else is a bit of a stretch. Quite a few people <laughs> didn't believe us. Uh, but here she is and, and, and fast turning out to be possible. You know, if she continues in this streak, I'm, I would go, to, you know, as far to say maybe the player of the season. Um, but we will have to see it because we still have plenty of players, new players coming back. Um, speaking of of sort of possible need to, to mitigate things, I do want to talk quickly about the Villa equaliser before we move on to Kerr's goal. Just because it, it seemed like Villa were slowly understanding that the way to target us was not sort of through central attacking or penetrated possession, but through crosses. They were doing really well in the first half through Alicia Lehman. Um 
and then from from there on realized that actually they could target the width areas um, sort of more precisely through mailing and she was the one who who got the cross that um Rachel Daly <laughs> the Rachel Daly managed to get it I mean Rachel Daly in front of goal we know she's a poacher she's skilled she's able to do that again we could probably talk about you know, all sorts of stuff about her but I think the real concern for me there is that we didn't adapt to the fact that Villa were adapting the Villa were able to adapt to us but we weren't noticing that they were doing that and they had a couple more chances not just through um, Daly but also through Kenzie Daly who also had a chance to score and maybe respectively a better player would have finished those chances so am I you know reaching for straws in terms of concern there or is it just one of those goals that we knew Daly would score because she's good at doing that? No, I was, I'll be honest, like that came, uh, how many minutes did that goal come after we scored our goal? It was pretty quick. It was pretty close. 15, I think yeah, 16, we, I think 16, because we scored in the 22nd minute and they scored in the 38. Max yeah, is not and, strong for me. So. Yeah. And it was, it was a little frustrating for me because it's like, we, we had that, it almost seemed like we had a little bit of that. Okay. We got our goal. Like we're going to, we're, we're fine. Like, you know, not, not that you really ease off, but you just kind of like, you think that's the way the game's going to go. And then Aston Villa starts growing into the game. And I, and honestly, to be honest, they changed a little bit. They started allowing themselves a little bit more freedom so they could go and get a goal. So they weren't as composed, as compact, and were, able, were actually eager to get in behind or try to make runs, take on players 1v1, where they weren't really doing that. They are trying to be a little bit more judicious and pick their spots. And once they started doing that, we weren't really prepared for it, it seemed. And when that move started... You know, along our our left, the left side of our defense, I was a little concerned because I was like, okay, like everybody's on their heels a bit. Everybody's backing up. You know, you had Magda again. We talked about her as left back. She did good to kind of keep Lehman from, you know, being able to get somewhere um, inside the box and taking a shot. But then, you know, she kind of backed off as Lehman made the pass. And then she had another assignment to do on the wing. And it's just it's very hard defending 1v1 Mm -hmm. like that multiple players. Um, And she was able to get the cross in and Daly was able to get the touch, which you know, daily, it, I've always, it, you know, it's the whole playing her left back on the national team. Like, I know, I know, like, Russo is there now. Like, you're good. Like, you're good at, at, the, at, the, at the forward position. But I just think, like, daily, you know, having watched her a lot here, she's just so good at things like this, just being in the right place at the right time. She is one of those, like, players who's just annoying as hell to mark all, all game because she, she's, she's such an athlete. She never stops running. She's so intense and she's so direct. And she can also do stuff like this. This is a very clever touch, I thought. Um, this is one of those things where I'd expect a finish like that from like a player with like we think of the creativity of like Gore Wrighton, you know, a player like that, you know, who would just be able to get like a very simple touch, keep the ball on the ground and just roll it across the line. I thought it was a really, really good finish. But you can kind of tell the way Aston Villa was playing and that this was very likely to happen. And we kind of were in that weird, you know, defending on our heels situation affording too much space, uh, allowing them to link multiple passes on our wing. And it was just like, yeah, you can't really allow that to happen. So I thought it was a good goal by them, good response. And I was equally, or not equally, more than pleased to see Chelsea's response after that, after the half, because we definitely needed it uh, with it being 1-1 at halftime. Yeah, I think you are right in, in saying that that there did seem to be sort of a shift in our own approach to the game, which we'd started so well. Um, starting games well has, has always been a bit of an issue for us. Um, so I think I, I that's where I felt my concern coming from. 
And then I felt like after that goal, they kind of like realized, oh, wait, this is working for us. And there were so many more crosses coming in, but not always those crosses being cleared or not always spaces where I felt like we were marking suddenly enough to to be able to stop them from reaching players. I mean, Daly had another chance after that, um, which he kind of blazed over the crossbar. So that is that is the area of concern for me. But then again, you have the situation where it's like your attack is so good what does it matter? You know, maybe that's going to be our our sort of thing this season. Maybe we might concede goals because our defense is still working itself out, and our our approach to games is still kind of has been thrown around. You know, with Emma not not at games and and Fran missing and and all sorts of other injuries. But we have Lauren James and we have Sam Kerr and we have Penilla Harder who's come back from her injury. Like you know, someone told her that she has to score goals, otherwise she's never playing again. Um, I mean, those three scare me and I'm a Chelsea fan I think Penilla Harder from her return from injury has just played incredibly amazingly and at a pace athletically and in a fitness sense that is has been almost terrifying Sam Kerr has really profited from having her back and has been able to play with so much more comfort and ease but Lauren James really and truly it was her today that got those two going her two goals yes absolutely amazing but we consider how those three are working so well interchangeably that have made our attack so much stronger it was Lauren James again who got the third goal for us that we really needed, 62 minutes. Um, and again, it's it's a confident on confidence on the ball to be able to take it and and push past defenders and and really impose herself in a physical sense that I think that the Villa defenders were having a really hard time to stop her. And of course, just a perfect pass into Kerr, who was always going to sweep home. So definitely needed that goal. But I think it's kind of more indicative of where our team is going in an attacking sense those three have got to be the three that that start but maybe midfield is a place where we have to kind of think about our options I mentioned Fran Kirby, Kankovic returning from injury, Svitkova, um, Ingle has returned in a couple of games and is looking quite well next to Cuthbert. A lot of questions and a lot of pieces and maybe not as many places to put them in. Yeah, no, I think the midfield is definitely still, you know, we, we've tried a couple things. We've seen Aaron Cuthbert and Sophie Engel, like we saw today. We've seen Aaron Cuthbert kind of alone. <laughs> we've seen Aaron Cuthbert with Jesse Fleming. Uh, so, yeah, we're still definitely trying to do certain things with that midfield. And it's going to be very interesting. Like, I have no idea of the timetable of Melanie Loopholes, but I would assume, you know, the way it goes, it wouldn't be until at the earliest next year. Um, but you know, they could even be next season. It's just difficult to know how it's going to return, but you know, that, you know, Emma Hayes through Emma Hayes is urging and, you know, the way that she sets things up and the way that she's forward thinking, we know that there's a lot of, you know, Chelsea's medical staff is good with things like this, you know, much more prepared than I think normal. Um, we've, we've talked about a bit about that on this podcast about how Emma Hayes is trying to like push things to be different, like actually have a medical team that understands the difference in women's bodies and being able to get them prepared and ready. Um, you know, we've seen throughout the course of the past, what, like two years, I would say even one year, we've seen just a slew of ACL injuries and all of that. Like there's just a lot of, a lot of, a lot, a lot, I'd say there's far to go in understanding like the sports science of like women professional athletes and not just trying to copy paste from what works for men. So I do think that it's important to do these things. And I think that Emma Hayes is, is, has built a staff that can do that. So I'll be interested to see, you know, how that works and what that, you know, what that looks like in terms of pregnancy. I don't think we've ever had that before uh, on the team. So that's really going to be a really cool thing. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned, I'm on a little bit of a tangent, but you kind of mentioned uh, the midfield. And yeah, I thought in a game like this, Sophie Engel, 
is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she had a decent game. I won't say a great game, but I think she had a decent game. Um, there were some key interventions that she made, but then there were also some some times where she was bypassed. And we've kind of know that that's kind of what you get with Sophie Engel. When you control the game, she's very good at facilitating play, being that anchor. And, you know, when she's able to read, read play and step in and intervene, she's good at doing that. But at times when the, the opponent has some possession, they can kind of move her around and get by her a little bit. Um, having Aaron Cuthbert next to her is helpful. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say like if the team had to start a very important Champions League game tomorrow and you needed to make sure your defense was solid. I don't know if I'm 100% going Aaron Cuthbert and Sophie Engel, but then again, the question is who would I go with? Which mm-hmm. is why I think it's really uh, unfortunate that Kankovic picked up that injury. I don't think she has the defensive capabilities of Sophie Engel, but I think just like Aaron Cuthbert and her have very interesting. Um, they could be an interesting duo if we were to see them on the pitch together. So I, I wish we could have seen her a bit more. Hopefully she's going to be returning either to training into the pitch uh, for games at some point. Cause I think it would be, she, she was, she was the signing that we made over the summer that I was the most intrigued about. And that kind of still remains because we haven't really been able to see her and where she might actually fit into this team. So um, uh, it's definitely a work in progress and we'll just have to see and hope until January when we can sign Grace Gallardo. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> we have to say at least once, I think every podcast, cause that's, that's yeah, how the yes. manifesting works. You've got to be consistent. <laughs> um, and of course, if it happens then then we can actually claim it and no one can actually, um, tell us <laughs> that we didn't unless right. they go back and listen to all of our podcast episodes, which is kind of what we wanted to do anyway. There you um, go. Win-win. Speaking of players who haven't been playing a lot, um, you did see a lot of game management and I think it's really important to to talk about, and Emma Hayes has talked about this at length and the issues with it, the amount of games that we are playing and we have played this month. This might be the, the break now from now to our next game, which is Manchester United on Sunday, might be the longest stretch, which is only a week that we've had for a couple of, you know, since the season has started, which maybe doesn't sound like that in, that sort of intent, but... You had the the Euros over the summer and players return and straight away they're thrown into heavy, heavy fixtures and it's intense and it's week out, week in and week out. And I think it's such an interesting debate because I've I've actually seen a couple of things on the men's side. You know, Mikel Arteta was talking about young players like on the, on his team and he says, Why shouldn't they be able to play every two or three games, you know, two or three days, sorry. And it just it seems quite intense. So I'm really glad that we're seeing all of this experimentation, although it's risky and it scares us sometimes and it's not always effective, I think it proves at least Emma is looking to make those rotations. For example, today we did see Harder and James come off for, I think it was Fleming and Canyard who came on. Um, and of course, we talked a length last episode about Canyard and how amazing it would have been if she had got a goal which she should have deserved. Or not for a, a very wet pitch. But... Um, Again, players like Bethany England, Neem Charles, those are the players that we are building a really strong squad with and those are the players who came on. Um, players that give our sort of starting 11 time to rest, especially with, with all the pictures coming up. And now I kind of wonder whether what kind of starting 11 we're going to see against Manchester United. Is that another one of those games, just like against City, where we think we can't experiment with this one? We, you know, we're going to pick our fixtures on where we can experiment. And that's... Something that Emma Hayes has sometimes struggled with in the past, but um, hopefully we, we're going to see her more involved, like I said, she was at the game today. So I kind of want to ask you about that in terms of the squad itself and, and, and this emphasis on making sure that players get their rest. 
Yeah, no, I think, you know, one of the, the, the key, like, driving, like, the key in, impetus for our, like, summer movement, you know, outside of Khadija Buchanan, of course, was depth. You know, we needed to be a deeper team. We needed to be a team that you can make those changes. We know in the past we have tried to rotate, and it hasn't always worked. But, you know, we got some key pieces to add depth. Hungry players, young players, experienced players. We got a good mix of players um, to be able to, you know, plug them in in certain places and be able to still have high level performances. So they're not maybe not our best 11, but also I think even at this point in the season, which I don't think is a terrible thing, um, given the size of the squad and given the things that we've tried tactically, you know, back three to back four, you know, experimenting with other things. I don't think we know what our best 11 is just yet. Um, And I'm not, I don't think that's terrible. Like you said, you know, uh, Fran Kirby's been out. Pernilla Harder was out for a little while. You know, she's playing a, a bit of a different role now. I think she's kind of playing that 10 role, which we talked about all last season. That's where I wanted her to see. I wanted her to be because uh, I think she has very, very good skills. And I think the assist on uh, Lauren James's goal is part of that. Um, getting in space, being able to turn and run at the defense. They're like, if you watch... If you watched her at Wolfsburg, that was basically everything that she did. You know, we're getting into finding those pockets of space, getting them on the ball and just tearing towards goal any way she could and dribbling past players, nutmegging players. I mean, she is my kind of player and getting her in those positions is great. So, yeah, I think it is going to be interesting. But to answer your question, I would expect our strongest 11 versus Manchester United. I hope we don't have the same game plan that we had against Manchester City. Because that was painful. That was a lot of suffering. Uh, and I don't want to necessarily do that again. Uh, getting points is important. I, and we talked about it. You know, you can't drop points back to back at the start of the season. It'll like dampen the whole thing. We've got a few wins under our belt, scoring goals from open play now. I think Harry Edwards uh, on Twitter, he noted that this was the first Chelsea game in all competitions that a set piece, uh, a goal wasn't scored via set piece, penalty or anything else. Uh, So we're getting open play, you know, being open, playing well, you know, linking up things to be able to uh, cut through defenses. So I'm hoping we continue to do that. And I would assume that given the run that United are on, you know, they haven't really played a team at the top yet. So this will kind of be the first test for them as well. So they'll be rarely up for this game. So I think you're going to see our strongest 11 and just hoping you see a, a strong forward thinking game plan as well, because I think if you test that United defense, you you might you might be able to find some joy. You are right, though, in saying, you know, although they're doing really well to the top of the league at the moment and they haven't conceded yet, they have played against teams that we might find respectively at the lower end of the table come the end of the season. Um, the one stat that I did think was quite interesting, and I was actually I actually stumbled across it looking for stats for this game, is that only Manchester United with 61 have forced more high turnovers than Aston Villa in the league with 60. So United are the team who have forced the most high turnovers in the league this season. And that is very interesting to me, especially, as you say, with the game plan that we saw against Manchester City. It was very reserved, but it was reserved on purpose because we were expecting City to be very explosive and dynamic. And and if we're expecting United to be just a sort of, you know, intense, maybe high press, then it might sort of be a similar return to tactics. Um, yeah, as, I think, as you say, yeah. 
Manchester United has not conceded a goal in the league so far. Mm-hmm. They've conceded in the FA Cup um, uh, a couple of times. They actually got beat by penalties by Durham, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like they, they've, I mean, start of the season, Manchester United and Reading, 4-0. Manchester United and West Ham, 2-0. Brighton, 4-0. Uh, and, and then they beat um, this past weekend, uh Past weekend, they beat Leicester City 1-0, and then today they just beat Everton 3-0. So they're scoring goals, and they're not conceding and hasn't conceded yet. I very much expect them to concede at least their first against Chelsea, uh, given the the quality that we have that those teams don't. But, I mean, as we talk right now, West Ham, and and I shouldn't say this on the pod because I'm just going to jinx it, like Arsenal's going to win like 9 to nothing. Uh, but right now it looks like I think Arsenal and West Ham are knotted uh, nil-nil at the moment. It's only half hour played, but that West Ham team is not bad. So, Yeah, I think I think you are right. Um, those teams obviously haven't posed the same challenges as, as we can possibly pose. And we can only go by based on what our attack has been doing. It's going to be quite strong. My only concern is is the issues that we saw today. We have to be really strong in, in our defence in terms of how we're going to play and where Magda might play, even if she is. I'd like to see the back three because I think that's our strongest defence at the moment. Um, Buchanan and, and, and sort of Bright as well, those are two of our strongest players. Um, and I think we will need it because, as I say, they are very good at scoring goals diversely across the squad. You know, it's not just one player. It's it's two and it's Russo. It's Hayley Ladd. Um they are very good at challenging teams in that way. And the one interesting thing I think we can say about them is, is and I kind of noticed it across a couple of their past games, although they haven't conceded goals, they do concede a lot of shots on target. And if we are clinical enough with ours, um, then those, that's where the chances will come. They aren't a team that hold back. And that's kind of what you get with a team that presses high and counterattacks and is explosive. You do get chances the other way. And if today Lauren James's second goal is any example of how we might be able to to hit United where it hurts, then that might be it. Yeah, I think that's a very very um, like that's a I think that's a very good point by you because that was kind of what I was meaning by like you know Manchester United. Um, you know when they when they do face some pressure, if you're able to break their pressure, and they really haven't been able to face teams that can do that. And I uh, believe that you know even though we saw that you know Aston Villa was able to create a chance through that through some pressure. Um, and, you know, uh, well, a couple chances, to be honest, you mentioned that um, Kenza Dolly shot that went over uh, the bar. I really thought especially like that was one that scared me because I've seen Kenza Dolly score some incredible mm-hmm. goals from from long range. So she is not afraid to put her foot through the ball from distance. And she's usually on target. And I just thought that she was going to curl that one by Berger because she had so much time to line it up. Um, given the, the turnover, it was a bad back pass. I believe it was by Lauren James, which was like the, the only like wrong thing she did throughout the day. But it was almost devastating because I was like, oh, and that is the wrong, not only the wrong space, but the wrong player. And now we might have a big problem. But luckily, the, the shot went over. So, yeah, we, we we're susceptible to those issues, too. So I'll be fair. I mean, I'm fascinated to see this match. I'm slightly nervous. You know, the history <laughs> of us versus United has been good. Like we haven't really had too many issues with them, but they've been building for a little while. And I think they have a good squad right now and you can kind of see it in the performances and the belief that they have. So um, I'm just hoping that, you know, we can do what Chelsea likes to do in these moments and humble a team from Manchester that feels like they're good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's definitely the the mindset to have. Um, and, and seeing as you feel so confident, I am going to have to obviously ask you your score predictions. Um, and if you're feeling... <laughs> If you're feeling confident, or maybe you might want to give me a bit more than that. 
Oh, yeah, I won't be giving more. Uh, a bare minimum uh, here because I'm usually on... wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm feeling a 2-1. I think it's going to be a tight match. Um, it might even be the case where United score first through some high pressure and everybody gets happy, you know, like, uh, you know, Arsenal fans and everybody thinking we're going to drop points. And then <laughs> we kind of turn around and, and get a couple goals and turn that around in the second half. So I don't expect an easy match at all. I think it's going to be a, a bit of a frustrating one. But I think ultimately we are going to get the three points because um, there. Are, I think we can. We have players who are more experienced, but also players who are a bit more versatile. And I think that given the tacticians, whether it's Emma Hayes will be on the sideline, or whether it's Denise Reddy, but we've seen that we can make tweaks to be able to take advantage of things that the opponent's doing to us or trying to do to us uh, and counter it. So. I think we're still going to be able to do those things and we're going to have the players to to exploit. And I also think Lauren James against Manchester United will be fun. I would love for her to score against Manchester United. I'm not going to predict it because I don't want to jinx it, but I would love to see her score against Manchester United because I really wonder what her celebration would be. She going to do the like, you know, I'm not celebrating. I'm not celebrating thing that I absolutely hate when players do that. Or is she going to be like full on, I'm Chelsea through and through and celebrate that goal. I don't know, but I want to see. She's she's a very classy person. I think off the pitch, her Instagram posts, her interactions with other people. Um, I think I'd be quite surprised if she was over the top about it. But then again, I wouldn't not like it. Um, I think this early in the season, that would be a really bold statement to make for her, um, especially as we as we know, United are currently doing quite well. Um, I agree with you in the fact that I think it will be a tight game. But I think... After I watched today's game, I feel like this might be more of a reflection of Chelsea generally going forward, you know, explosive when needed in in key moments of the game. But there are still some areas that we are currently constructing and and rebuilding and fixing. Um, So instead of 2-1, I'm going to say 3-1. I think there's definitely going to be a goal on the break. because I like it. I I just feel after I, I saw Lauren James today and I'm like... Something is happening to me because <laughs> I just feel like in a really good place about <laughs> about her ability to instigate breaks, but also her how well she works with both Vanilla Harden and Sam Kerr to open up spaces and in which only thing you can possibly do is score or create a big chance. And I think that um, United aren't going to hold back themselves because they know that they can score too. So you put those two things together and you're going to get at least one goal on a fast break. And I'm backing on Chelsea being that team. Um, so I'm going to say 3-1. Um, and I am going to say that she's going to score because I believe it. Oh, and okay. we're manifesting. Like you know, this is what we're about on the Frank Kirby Vat Club. Um, Andrew's not doing so well today. He's not feeling well. So he's not feeling so strongly about his manifestation powers. But I am. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that she's going to score. She's going to be on the score sheet. Love it. Love it. And would absolutely love it. Of course, if she doesn't as long As long as she celebrates. Okay. That's it. I, d- I don't want to see the, the I'm not going to celebrate against them because, you know, it's, it's Manchester United. It ain't like it was some low team. Like, I get it when you don't like, uh, what was it, um, on the men's team, Connor Gallagher. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to, you know, be disrespectful to Crystal Palace, but, you know, they're not in the same caliber, right, uh, in the same class as Chelsea. And so, you know, you kind of get it. He scores that goal. He was their player of the year that last season and all that. So you... You kind of understand it in that instance. And I was like, okay, fine, I get it. But, hey, you're going to be playing Manchester United a lot. They're, they're trying to build up their team. We're obviously, we're Chelsea. We we win trophies. You know, we're the team that's being chased in the WSL. They're one of the teams doing the chasing. I mean, how when, when does it – that's always the thing I've always <laughs> wanted to know is when does it expire? 
Like, when do you stop and actually start celebrating against the former team? Like, how, like, what's the expiration? This, this is the thing because, like, you might forget about it, but there will always be a pundit, a commentator, some kind of analyst who will be like, <laughs> of course, this is the same, you know, player who played for XYZ. And you're just like, I, we almost all forgot about that. Thank you for bringing it up again. You know, like, um, but I, I right. think you are She's right. Been with Chelsea gotta, for two seasons now. Like, I, it's, gotta it's, do it. Yeah. I want to see her celebrate. I want to see it. Of course, if she doesn't score, I don't want to be held accountable for that. Often I'm held accountable for things (laughs) on this podcast. Um, I mean, well, if you predict it and say she's going to do it, then you you have to to be held accountable if she doesn't. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. This is a tricky one. Um, Okay. You're going to take it back now? No, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with that, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you are right. I think we're both kind of looking at similar sort of performances um, and hopefully a, a similar three points at the end of it. And that game is next Sunday. It's a whole week away. We finally get some time to breathe before things get crazy again. It is an away game. It's happening at United Stadium in the Lee Valley Stadium. And it's a pretty late one. I feel like we always get these late games, just these 6.45pm kickoffs that just stress me out because it's like I want to settle down for the day at that time of the evening. I'm having my dinner and there's still a game going on, and I don't know who's won yet. It's just, it's very stressful. Don't know if you I'm know, the only one. The, the, well, the perspective is funny, of course, because of the time difference. I'm definitely going to have a very different experience. Like, I appreciate <laughs> these later kickoffs because normally on a you Sunday, Chelsea up. is kicking off at like 7 a.m., and I'm like, oh, God, I got to get up at like 6.40. I, I set my alarm for like 6.57. Oh, my god! Basically give me like three minutes to like turn my computer on. <laughs> <laughs> make sure it's up and booted up before I could actually go to the site and like start the stream. Cause I'm like, I, I'm not going to wake up a minute sooner than I have to. So yeah, I appreciate this so much. Well, I'm glad one of us, I suppose every single week, at least one of us is having a good time. So there you go. <laughs> right. But this is, is actually an interesting run of games for Chelsea though. They, I think they mentioned it on the broadcast, but just want to make sure we talk about it too. So that game versus Manchester City is going to, or Manchester United, I'm sorry, on November 6th is interesting. But then, you know, we do have a bit of a break. And so the next game is until November 20th because uh, there's an international break happening. But we come back and play Tottenham, who scored eight against Brighton today. Yeah, that was crazy. Eight. I don't know where the hell that came from because Tottenham has not been free scoring at all this season. So I'm like, I think I'm going to watch that game just because I need to find out what the hell happened. Um <laughs> And then three days later, we play our first game versus Real Madrid in the Champions League. Um, it's at Kings Meadow, which is good, but yeah, that's going to be another test. Um, having coming like coming back from an international break with those two games is going to be a lot. So um, definitely want to make sure you get some points before you head into that because when you come back, you're going to have to go this exact same intensity right away. Yes, the fixture list is not very forgiving. Um, whether you support Chelsea or not. Um... I think we probably figured that out with the very first game of the season. Although who was going to who was going to expect that a promoted side would be the one to take us down? But here we are. You know, we've been through it. We've got three points today. Is there anything else, Andre, that we might want to talk about before we head off? No, I uh, I appreciate you for hosting because I, even though I did a lot of talking, my voice is not right. So I'm going to stop talking now. Thank you. I mean, I'm not in a much better place than you. I've been outside all day. I literally came home and I've sat down on this chair. Um, I've been in like those underground train chairs. Tra- what, what do they call them? The subway, I think. Um, and they're just not very great for your back. So I'm like kind of in a really strange mm, yeah. position. Um, 
but but yeah you're right we've we've kind of talked about everything and as we say there's is a bit of a break we've kind of had games happening literally every two three days for a while now but we finally have a week to rest and recover and when we come back we have a big game against united then more of a big break but then when we come back from that we've got an even bigger couple of games so strap yourself in guys it's going to be a bumpy ride and as always we will be there on the other side whether it's hold recovering. on a second I i'm not co-signing that i don't well, know if it's gonna be a bumpy ride it might not but <laughs> we need to prepare the people for whatever happens i don't want to get i'm saying this because i know it will be it will come back to me if i say that everything's gonna be fine and then, and then someone will blame me and then how I'll about, be we, just, how about we just keep it neutral whatever happens we'll be here to talk about it very well whatever <laughs> happens we will be here to talk about it 